0: I'd say, obviously, I mentioned it earlier in this, um like when we were speaking before, um just mainly like about hard working and and a unity um like within the club, from the fans to the staff and and players um like I think that's probably one of the main reasons why I've been liked this season by the fans that have, have watched me is because of, they can see that i'm that I want to give it all give it my all um and work my socks off every game because that's just what. What the the community is really, um, like hard hard working down to earth people that just want to go go to the football and um, get the three points on the weekend and have a, a good time. Mm-hmm.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of the We Are Stoke podcast with myself, Dan, and my two co-hosts for this episode, Louis Eccleston and Harvey Todd. Again, this is your podcast, so remember that if you have any suggestions at all, then please make sure to get in touch with us via the contact us details on our website, and they can be found at wearestoke.co.uk forward slash contact us. Now, let's move on to our guest. He is a current first teamer for Stoke City, where he has scored, four, scored 14 goals this season so far. He's also a member of the scottish national team if you haven't guessed who it is already then i'm pleased to say that it is stoke city's number 18 jacob brown how are you jacob yeah i'm good thank you um that's quite a good introduction actually thank you no problem at all we always try uh to give each guest a a very good introduction so yeah um so we'd just like to thank you for being on the podcast uh first and foremost Uh, we really do appreciate you coming on to talk with us and answer the questions that the fans have submitted uh, so thanks for taking time out of your day to to be here with us. No worries. Thanks for um, having me on. No problem. Uh, so we'll move straight into the questions if that's okay with you, um, and then yeah, we can work through what the fans want to want to know. Yeah, cool. Uh, so first question from me is, who was the footballer that you looked up to most as a as, when you were a child?
0: Oh, uh, I think I'd say. When I was like really young, it was probably Thierry Henry, um, but I think it was more just like watching clips of him. And then from what I can remember, actually like watching, um, like as I was growing up, it was probably Torres when he was at Liverpool. Um, like I think he was just like unreal at that time, and it, when I was younger, like, I just loved um, watching him. So I, I enjoyed watching Liverpool at that time as well.
1: So is there any like particular sort of traits about those players that really stand out to you as a as a as a child when you were younger? That's like who I want to be like. Was there was there anything that stood out about those particular players?
0: No, I think it was just obviously being I think most kids seem to prefer strikers because they're the ones getting all the glory and like running off celebrating and stuff like that, especially as a kid. Um so I think that's why I tended to like them sort of players.
2: Uh, so, Jacob, you spent four and a half years at Barnsley, uh, where, of course, it was very successful. You played a key role in their 2018-19 promotion season. How was your experience as a whole there?
0: Yeah, I loved it at Barnsley um, because I think when I signed, obviously, it was like another chance for me getting back into professional football and obviously I had to make my way up through the, the under-18s all the way into the first team. And then when I finally got my chance in the first team for us to be doing so well obviously getting promoted from league one to the championship and then um, we, we stayed in the championship on the last day of the season it was just great experience all around and it it, um, it was a really good start to my career. Uh,
2: so when when you get a big move like that to Barnsley you know after of course you're released by Sheffield Wednesday at 14 years of age is, is that like a uh, almost a bit of vindication, knowing that you've worked hard to get to get back up to that level?
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Because so I think um, when when I got released from Sheffield Wednesday, that was like my whole life at the time. And I sort of maybe took it for granted at the time when I was at Sheffield Wednesday. And when I got released, I, I sort of thought that that was like, it was yeah. all over now. Like my dreams of being a professional footballer had all sort of just vanished in front of me. And I always knew that like, if you, if you work hard, you're always going to get chances. But to actually manage to get go on trial at Barnsley and then sign for them, it was like a... A massive wake-up call and I was like right now I've got this massive opportunity I just need to make the most of it like every day that I I can and and work really hard.
2: So how difficult is it to to come back from from that disappointment? Is it it mentally challenging, physically challenging? What was the hardest part about about coming back from that release?
0: Yeah I think mentally is probably the hardest part of it because like I said it it was everything at the time and when you get released especially being young when you're probably not as mentally strong as you are as you, as you get older um it was difficult but i think the main thing for me was that when i got released i actually went and played sunday league for like two or three seasons after that um and i just got back enjoying like playing football again with my friends and i think that was the key part cuz the enjoyment's probably like one of the main things and then luckily like with the a mixture of hard work and a bit of luck i, I was in the right place at the right time and i managed to get um spotted this was when i was at gaisley um, we played Barnsley under-18s in a friendly, and that's when they they wanted to take me on trial after that game.
3: So you mentioned um, that game where you stayed up. Um, shortly after that, you made the move to Stoke. Uh, how did that come about? Uh, yes, yeah, so we
0: I think that season I'd, I'd done quite well. Not really in terms of um, I think I only got like four goals in the season, but I, I was quite high in the the charts for the assists. Um, I think that obviously got some interest off clubs and I found out that Stoke were interested that season and then luckily for me like the the move managed to happen obviously going into the the season after that but I remember um I knew Stoke were interested when we when we actually played against Stoke at the bet's <laughs> the bet 365 and I I got dragged at half time and I was just like oh no I thought that was like my my opportunity had gone but luckily they they were still interested in me even though I didn't play too good that game and the, the move happened.
1: So, obviously, touching on that that move to Stoke, um, obviously, the manager, Michael O'Neill, a former international manager, um, very experienced head uh, in any in dressing room. Do you recall the first time that you met with Michael? And if so, what was that experience of meeting him like?
0: Yeah, I, I remember when I, I actually met him before um, I'd signed and it was quite scary I don't think it was it wasn't really the, the gaffer that was scary it was more just the whole i like, never been in that situation before obviously when I signed for Barnsley I was only young and it was more of a like moving into the academy whereas this was like a, a big thing moving to a, another club and it was sort of like the gaffer just wanted to get to know me a bit more and sort of tell me about how he wants how he sees me fitting in at the club and, and things like that so it was it was a big moment for me, and um, like once I left the meeting, I was just literally so excited for it all to to unfold and to sign, and then and then get going at, at my new club.
2: Uh, so, with that first time meeting Mark O'Neill, uh, how good is he in in terms of selling that that long term project at Stoke? Uh, did he sell you immediately, or was it sort of like you say over the? Cap? It's sort of course of one or two conversations. Uh, what was it that that drew you to Stoke under Mark O'Neill?
0: Yeah, no, he, he sold it straight away. Obviously, I think um, he sort of said to me he, he didn't really because that was my first like season in the champ. He didn't he didn't say that I'm I'm going to be straight in the team. He just sort of said to me it's going to be like a hopefully a work in progress sort of thing, and you'll get opportunities playing like across the um, the front line and it was just sort of down to me really to to get the move but then I needed to work hard to to obviously get to the level of the the other lads in the team and and work my way into the team but it was it was something that I felt I was ready for it was obviously a big challenge moving from from Barnsley to Stoke and I wanted to put myself in that um situation because I felt I felt um quite comfortable at Barnsley having been there for quite a lot of years and um I wanted to move out of my comfort zone and and then really kick on to the next level. Really.
2: Well, obviously, the other challenge you faced when you when you signed was um, you signed during the the COVID nineteen pandemic, uh, where of course no fans were allowed in. So how how was yeah. how challenging was that as a player?
0: Yeah, it was very difficult. I, obviously, for me as well, moving to a new club and then not being able to play in front of the fans straight away was very difficult because it's a new situation in itself playing in front of no fans but moving to a new environment and things it was it was difficult and I think that well I've I've definitely made an improvement this season so I think it's fair to say that that probably did have a big impact on me um so I think the way that I play I like to be like just all or nothing and having the atmosphere from the fans every every match day is something that I thrive on and not having that was difficult um, for me, and I think for all of the lads. To be fair,
3: we've touched on Michael O'Neill a little bit, but what's he like to work under? Yeah, he's really
0: good. Um, I think with the gaffer, you um, he's very um, direct in what he wants. So he'll he'll be demanding in terms of obviously different positions need to. Um, Need to provide different aspects of the game, and when you you go out, you know what he wants from you, and he he demands high standards, which obviously we we need, um, and we need that in training, and hopefully take that into games on a weekend.
1: So you've been here since 2020 now uh, in Staffordshire, and you've had, you know, a quite a while in a Stoke City shirt now, or as most fans yeah. would quite a while, um. What is your favourite moment as a Stoke City player so far?
0: My favourite moment, I think, favourite moment for me personally was probably when I scored against Sheffield United. Um, I think the fact that I took my shirt off after 50 minutes showed like how buzzing I was, and probably took my shirt off a bit early. Um, the fact that we then went on to lose, but yeah, that was looking back, that was a, a very like enjoyable moment for me. But as a team, I think the game against West Brom. Um, early in the season, when Pauli scored the winner, um, like that was that was a good atmosphere as well. Like being involved in that was good.
2: Uh, so, of course, we've touched on your arrival at Stoke and you, you know, sort of the early, early years, if you will, of your career. But now I want to ask you about the dressing room. Uh, who would you say is the class clown of the dressing room? Who's the one who makes everyone <laughs> laugh? Um, well, there's
0: actually. I'd give it to two people. They're like a little, um, very annoying duo. Um, so it's Taylor, Howard Bellis, and um, Joe Bersick. When they're on their own, they, they they like to have a laugh and a joke, but when you put them together, they're just complete, like, <laughs> they're crazy. And um, I think they just get on everyone's nerves when they're together, but they are funny, funny guys, yeah. Are
2: they uh, are they the, the duo to combat Tyrese and Tymon?
0: yeah it'd be a good duo to be fair I think with um, Bursic and Taylor they're just like they're just mental like some of the stuff they get up to is just (laughs) I don't think they're right in the head but uh, they're a good laugh and it's good to have them round like the changing room Uh,
2: so do you ever get involved with any of the pranks Jacob or
0: or is it just yeah I do um, no I think to be fair we've got a good group of lads like everyone mixes in together and we're always having a laugh and a joke with each other as obviously like take it serious as much as we can but it's good to to have that bit of um laughing and a joke around round the place to keep everyone um nice and positive uh,
2: Is is there any stories in particular about about the uh the misdeeds of <laughs> of harwood ballis and and joe bercy
0: um it's, it's probably some there's there's the gallops are so much but one one thing they do which is just sums them up there in the um We have a like a a hot pool and an ice bath next to each other uh in the in the next the changing rooms and they um for some reason they like to jump in the hot bath and then roll across the (laughs) like the in-between bit and then like salmon into the the ice baths (laughs) Uh, like it's hard to explain really but they're just yeah they're not right
3: (laughs) um Back in action now, you've received a lot of praise for the hard work you put in both during games and during training. Where does the hard work ethic come from?
0: um I think it's I'd probably say when i when I got released from sheffield wednesday um that was probably where it all stemmed from because it was sort of obviously growing up as a kid, I always want wanted to make it as a professional footballer. but when you're in an academy from let's say nine. All the way up to it was 14 at the time you you sort of just sink into thinking that it's it's just going to happen um, and that's certainly not the case and I think after getting released it was a good wake-up call for me and I, I always say everything happens for a reason um, so I am glad that that happened um, because from then like, I, I never take anything for granted and every day I just want to work my hardest to improve and um, and just become a better player and I think Luckily, that like this season it started to um, I started to get the rewards for for the hard work.
1: So we've touched on obviously now your favourite moments. We touched on the gaffer, we touched on the dressing room and and the antics of Howard Ballas and Billy <laughs> um, obviously, now sort of obviously as Stoke were so high up in the table at the start of the season, now we've sort of gone yeah. down to towards the the, the, the mid-table pack, um, as as many fans will call it. What would you say the most challenging moment at Stoke has been so far for you? This season or just since I've joined? Um, I suppose you could give us two examples, if you wish, one for this season, or maybe if there's a a wider range of example.
0: Yeah. I'd say this season, the most challenging thing is probably, as a team, it's probably been consistency. Um, And like when we look back um, in the season, it's frustrating knowing that we've probably dropped a lot well we've dropped a lot more points than we we should have done and if, it's obviously easy to look back and say oh we should have scored then and we would have won that game or we, if we if we didn't concede then we would have won that and we'd be wherever in the league but obviously we, we can't look back and do that because every team can do that every team can say that sorry um but yeah it's frustrating to know that we've been in such a good position um and sort of just let it peter out over the season but it's it's something that we're going to take into next season and um, we we know that we need to probably be, uh, if, say, if we're in the lead, for example, um, we need to see games out and if we're in difficult positions, we need to probably um, just give it a bit more and hopefully get more out of the game. But I think the most challenging thing in general was probably the the whole of the first season. Um, obviously, playing not in front of fans, it, it was difficult for me and I didn't really have the best... I didn't have the start that I wanted to have um, coming into a new club, um, so I think all that's been been hard, but um, it's been worth it this season to to have the fans back and and to start doing well in front of them.
1: So obviously, you touch on there about consistency and how the team are going to take that into next season and, and build on on this platform that they built of being hard to beat at the start of the season and moving that on to try and get more wins, see games out. Is there anything that yeah. you? you would say that the fans can help with in helping the team become more consistent?
0: Um, no, I think just obviously when we've been early in the season, like the atmosphere, you could you could sense the atmosphere around everyone was like really good and positive. But then obviously when we, for, I can give you an example, the Cardiff game, when we're 3-0 up and, and it ends up being 3-3, you can't expect anything but, um, like a negative response from the fans, and and that's what you, you're gonna get in football. Um, so I think for us, it's just like not getting um, worked up over like if if it's a negative response or not because it's it's only what you sort of I wouldn't say deserve, but if we're winning, like obviously everything's gonna be good. And if we're not putting in the performances that we know we can and we should, then we can't expect everyone to be to be um, buzzing if if that makes sense. So I think just Hopefully next season we're gonna start well again, and we can just keep it going for for longer, and probably not let the the bad patches last for as long as they have done.
2: So Jacob, obviously you've touched on the touched on the fans. Uh, you've you've built quite the sort of uh, relationship with them, if if you want, in a, in a time where you know the club of yeah. of course has, you know like you say has been up and down the league a lot this season. Um, what does that sort of relationship with the fans do for a player such as yourself, who you know a lot of, big part of your game is pressing and you know making the the opposition feel uncomfortable
0: yeah it's a massive thing and I, I think that's like obviously why i've done a lot better this season because having the support from the fans the minute um it sort of felt like a debut season for me this because like it's been the first season i've played in front of the fans and to see them obviously <laughs> i think it was tyrese that actually started the um the jacob brown chant um he put it on his Instagram story I think after one game and it just literally week a few weeks after that he just like clicked and everyone <laughs> everyone was singing it so it's it's massive for a player to have the support from the fans um, and I think that's what just pushes me to work hard every game obviously you're not going to play your best every single game but one thing you can always do is um, work hard even if the game's not going your way um, so I think that's just probably why the, the fans have taken to me this season and I think it's Easier to see you when you're in the stadium rather than last season when um, when fans are probably watching on like the streams and stuff. You you might not be able to see it as much. Um, but yeah, I've I've literally loved this season um, and connected with the fans on a on a personal level. So it's been good.
3: You just mentioned there the chant. What do you think of it?
0: Is <laughs> it, I think it's a good chant, but I just think sometimes it, it seems to be out of sync. Um, you got one side singing it a bit earlier than the other but especially when everyone's had a drink and that on a match set, I think you can only expect that um, but yeah it's it's an unreal feeling to be fair having like fans chanting your name and, and when they f- send you videos of them singing it in the, the gantry and stuff like that it, it just it's really good and, and it motivates
2: you even more. Uh, so do you thank Tyrese for that or?
0: Yeah I think Ty's got to get all the credit for that one to be fair.
2: Um. So, Jacob, with one game to go, you are just one goal away from coming the first Stoke City player to score 15 league goals in a season since Ricardo Fuller and Liam Lawrence in the famous 2007-08 promotion season. Where would that achievement rank in your career so far if you are to net on Saturday?
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll be um, right up there if I if I do manage to get the, the goal at the at the weekend. Um, I think it just sums up like how well this season's gone for me. Um obviously it's the bigger picture we want like the, the team as a whole to to have had a better season. But for me I think it's a very good confidence booster. And I think it's it's good for the fans as well to see because now it, it just shows that like um we we're all working hard and and we're hoping to improve as a team over, over time and hopefully next season like we'll will improve, improve even more and see ourselves higher up the league.
2: Well, of course, you've you've got the goals to prove that. Obviously, if you've had a very successful season for Stoke this year, but you've also got the assists as well. You know, I think you've got five assists in the league so far this season, uh, which is obviously very impressive for a player who's who's played up front for the majority of the season. Uh, do, there, do Do you prefer to score goals, or or do you get the same kind of satisfaction from an assist? Um, I think
0: obviously I love scoring the goals. Um... But obviously an, an assist is still ends up being a goal. So it's just the same thing really. And I think uh, I've looked back at some of the videos when I've not even assisted or scored and I'm celebrating probably more than someone who scored to be honest. But I think just when we um we get a goal it's like it's just the best feeling. Um especially like when it's at home in front of the fans and stuff. It it's a great feeling. But I think whether you're scoring, assisting or or just playing well, it, it's always it's always better when it's a positive result in the end.
2: Well, I think the fans uh, have a very mutual feeling towards you. You know, I think fans like to see uh, that you that you sort of are just as passionate as as them about about their team doing well and and scoring goals and and watching other players score. And I think uh, Stoke fans have always liked a selfless player such as yourself. Um, uh, so, do you think that's important for for fans to see that from you and all the other the rest of the squad?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I think that's what's um a big thing about this club is the we're all like wanting to be a, a unit and all be together. Um, like the players, the staff, um, the fans together. Like literally everyone. We we want to be like a big community, and I think that's why it's. I I enjoy doing things like this and and going to um like when I do player visits at schools because it it just brings everyone together and I think it's it's good to have the players engaged with the fans um, because it just means more for everyone. Um, and when we say, for example, like the, the goal we scored against Forest um, at home in the season, like that was a massive team goal and it just shows that it's not just one or two players, it, it's everyone working together. Um, and I think it's massive that we're we're all together in this.
3: So since you've been at Stoke, who's been the best player you've played with?
0: Um, well, there's obviously so many good players on the team. I think for me, the best player uh, would be Nick Powell. He's just like technical abilities, like probably the best I've, I've played with in, in general, to be honest.
3: So, obviously, he's unfortunately spent a little bit of time out through injury. Do you think that's sort of hindered the team a little bit?
0: Yeah, 100%. I think obviously Paul is like obviously one of the the key players
3: that he he can just create
0: something out of nothing and um it's a big miss um when he's not playing but um hopefully like we can uh, have him back playing with us soon because he is a great player
1: so obviously the players as a whole um <clears throat> both as first team and we have obviously the under 23s who have done a lot of mixing throughout the season with you guys you're all on social yeah. media. I think you're followed by many, many fans across social media, and I think we all see interactions and stuff, and, and we all like to see the players come on social media after the game and uh, and really try and uh, you know interact with fans as much as they possibly can. Uh, I think we've all seen a wide array of nicknames that have been used between the players to describe each other. Uh, like DeMarge here, right, Phillips, is being referred to as Swivel Hips. Lee Gregory uh, being referred to as Uncle Chest. Uh, can you tell us of some of the origins of these bizarre nicknames and where, realistically who came up with them? Um, I think Ty comes up with most of the nicknames
0: to be honest. I don't know about the swivel hips one. I, I think Ty made that up, I'm not sure where <laughs> where it's come from but the, um, Greg's being called Uncle Chess I think it's just because he's in the gym he's just got such a big chest. Um, so I think that's just where it came from to be honest. Um, yeah, there's so many nicknames, but yeah, I think Ty just comes up with him uh, in his spare time.
2: Uh, do you have a Do you have a person personally favourite nickname?
0: Um, no, I, I can't think of one to be honest.
2: Um, that I have, but yeah. Are you, are you happy just being called Brownie? Yeah,
0: Brownie. I've just been known as Brownie for forever, basically. So yeah.
2: Is yeah. is that the kind of dressing room we're dealing with then, where uh, there's a lot of laughing and joking, and you know, you're all you're all pretty together. It doesn't seem like there's any separate social groups that you will perhaps getting in, you know, with perhaps a bigger team's dressing room or are you all sort of together as this one big group?
0: Yeah, 100%. Like from the, the minute I joined, to be fair, I, I noticed it straight away. There's not really, like in some clubs, you've got cliques of just like maybe four or five, like separate from everyone else. But here we literally all just have a, a good laugh with each other. So you could be in the changing room with, two lads one day and uh, one minute and then the next minute you you're just messing about with someone else and it's just good that we're all there for each other um because like, obviously that's one of the key things to having a, a solid team throughout the season
2: and uh touching on the group as a whole is there a is there a whatsapp group uh,
0: yeah we, WhatsApp we've then? got two there's one there's a whatsapp group with the um the staff which is just more formal like um, telling us when meetings are and stuff like that, and then we've got um, just one with just the lads in, uh, which is probably a bit less formal.
2: Yeah, uh, who's the admin of of both of those? Um,
0: I, I don't know to be honest. I think I know Danny Bath was the the admin of the the um, players one before, but I'm not sure who it is now. Uh,
2: so, so um, as you say, it's it's a bit more informal in the in the players one. <laughs> um has anything accidentally ever been sent into the staff Swan?
0: <laughs> um yeah joe Bursic. this is funny because it's Bursic and it just sums him up um he once sent a a voice note <laughs> 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 he once sent a voice note that went, weren't meant to go in the, the chat with the staff and that but to to be fair to him he um he just left it in and he let everyone have a, have a listen to it and have a good laugh so um, I, I'm not really going to say what it was about it wasn't that bad but it was just funny
2: uh, Was Mark O'Neill impressed?
3: Uh, I think yeah everyone found it funny to be fair So obviously you've been here for almost two years now where can you see Stoke City being in, and yourself being in three years time? I think there's only one answer really I think since I came to the
0: club, like the the ambition has always been um, to to play in the Premier League, um, and that's obviously where Stoke need to be as well. Um, so I think for us, it's it's good to see the progression over like obviously it's not where we want to be in the Championship, but over the last few years we've like been finishing high a little bit higher, so it's showing we're going in the right direction. But I'd, I'm hoping it's not going to be three years. I'm hoping it's going to be sooner than that. Um, and that's the the goal for everyone. Um, we all know what we want, and we're all set out to achieve that. So it, yeah, that's what we're all working towards.
2: Uh, so is that your ambition with with Stoke short term and long term as a as a Premier League player? And, you know, perhaps even a, a Stoke City legend by by the end of your tenure here?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I think obviously when I, I first came in, I've I just wanted to to get going straight away and um, get as many goals as I can. And this season it's- has been. Much better than last, um, so it's it's just the, the aim next next year is obviously going going that one step further.
2: And do you feel that um, obviously perhaps potentially a big turnover of players in the summer? Uh, obviously some some will stay, some will go. Do you feel like one more strong transfer window where we get the right characters in and the right players in under Mark O'Neill could be could be the one?
0: Yeah, obviously I, I don't know myself what happens is going to happen with transfers and stuff like that but i think the the thing is we um whoever is in the building is going to be be working hard and we're going to have high standards um that we need to all stick to and and that'll send us in the right direction if we just stick to the process um hopefully next season will be a lot more positive
2: uh, so what what does um, on a personal note what does Stoke City Football Club mean to you as both a player and a person? So so when when someone says you know Stoke City Football Club what does that put in your head?
0: Yeah, I'd say obviously I mentioned it earlier in this um, like when we were speaking before um, just mainly like about hard working and and a unity um, like within the club from the fans to the staff and and players um, like. I think that's probably one of the main reasons why I've been liked this season by the fans that have watched me is because they can see that I'm that I want to give it all, give it my all, um, and work my socks off every game because that's just what what the the community is really that um, like hard hard working, down to earth people that just want to go go to the football and um, get the three points on the weekend and have a, a good
1: time. So, obviously, you touch on there about the the local community being hard-working, down-to-earth, friendly people. Um, obviously, thousands of fans come to the Bet365 Stadium yeah. and follow us away from home, and they're always cheering, cheering us on for 90 minutes. Um, do you have a message for the fans that are either casual fans or fans who are international or even just the, the normal season ticket holders?
0: Yeah, probably just, just for every Stoke fan, really, just that the support literally means like everything really because I think last season showed that without fans being there it, it's not the same at all and it's it's not enjoyable without fans and they they are the fans are football if, if that makes sense and it's just um, we're, we're trying our best like for you guys and we hopefully we can uh, make it more positive for you next season um, but yeah we just literally love the, the support and um, hopefully, like I say, we can can get the club back into the Premier League.
2: Uh, so, Jacob, of course, you've you said there. You know, the fans are the ones who who can really help give you that energy and and drive to to win games for the football club and play for the shirt on your on your back and the badge on your chest. Um, but it, it's sort of before a game. What is your what is your go to song? Do you have a song that that can really get you in the mood for a game? Um, I I don't really have one song. I've-
0: I usually, um, on the way to the stadium, I just put like my own, whatever I'm currently listening to at the minute, on, and then when we get into the changing room, it's usually just like house music, um, that's played on the, the speakers, um, just something like upbeat that gets us, gets us ready for the game, you yeah. know.
2: So what's on, uh, what's on Jacob Brown's personal playlist, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, what's on my playlist? Um, a lot to
0: be fair, I like, um, mainly like hip hop. Um, rap and R&B um, just anything current really but uh, I do like I can mix it up but on a match day it's probably more like hip hop music
2: Yeah. Do you, have, do you have a guilty pleasure in music? Um, mm, no I wouldn't say guilty pleasure because obviously
0: everyone's like got their own different tastes but I literally listen to like any sort of music
2: fair enough
3: uh, yeah and you obviously mentioned the music in the dressing room. Who's in control of that? Um, so it was Adam Davis um,
0: before. Um, you just call him DJ Devo. Um, so we literally just play the same mixes that, that he used to put on. Um, just like a house mix that'll keep running for like the, the hour that we're in the changing room.
2: Was Adam Davis a fan of that nickname?
0: <laughs> DJ Devo, yeah. He used to, he used to say um, sick beats and clean sheets. That was his <laughs> motto.
3: Um so yeah, obviously we've mentioned pre-match. Do you have any pre-game rituals or routines? Um,
0: probably just my pre-match meal is the only thing that I I stick to every every single game. And <laughs> So I have um, beans on toast, like to start with, um, and then after that I have another slice of toast, but I have peanut butter on top of that, and then I have Nutella on top of the peanut butter, and then I I cut my I cut a banana up and have that sliced on on top of the toast. Some of the lads think it's a bit weird, but it's just something that I've always done really, and I'm stick at that.
3: And whilst we're on the topic of food, um, I'm not sure whether you're aware or not, but there's a local delicacy in Stoke-on-Trent, oatcakes. Have you tried yeah. one? I, I have actually. Um, this I think it, when I first saw it, I wasn't really sure what
0: what to think of it. Um, but yeah, it was it was all right to be fair. Um, Oatcake, yeah. The chef in the club made it. I think it was because we don't usually have it. It must have been on a um, like on a Sunday when we, we'd come in. The chef had them out. Um, I don't know if many of them got touched to be there. Uh,
2: what you have on them, Jacob? What did you have on them? Um,
0: I can't remember. I can't remember. I think I just had it on its own.
2: Oh... <laughs> Uh, I think the Stoke will, will be interested to hear that one. <laughs> um, staying on the topic of food, of course, as, fo- as a footballer, you do have to look after your body, you almost treat it as a temple. Uh, what is sort of, if if you are allowed to, to just, you know, if there's is there something you miss uh, living that lifestyle? Is, is there a particular type of food that you're not really allowed to eat that, if you get the chance, you do?
0: Um, I probably. I'm a fan of a Domino's to be fair, and luckily, like on a like, after a match day, you can sort of eat. Um, I wouldn't say anything you want, but you can have a little bit of a cheat meal to say. So I think I'd sometimes have a, a Domino's after a game, maybe. Um, I'd say that, yeah.
2: Um, what do you have on your Domino's? <laughs> have it on its own. No, I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> I, um,
0: I, so my Domino's order is with a barbecue sauce um and then we have jalapenos pepperoni ham and chicken and then sometimes get um garlic bread on the side as well
2: i suppose you can get away with it though uh with the amount of calories you must burn during a game (laughs) yeah i think i'll run it off.
1: so we're now going to sort of talk about your international sort of career that's just starting up really and just gonna obviously as we I've seen you prosper for Stoke. We are sure you'll prosper for Scotland. Um, when did you discover that you'd first been called up to the Scottish national team?
0: Um, it was literally, like, the, I think it was the day of or the day before um, they announced it. That I was, like, when I was in the first, um, the first time I was in the squad. And my agent, um, he literally rang me in the morning and said, you're going to get a phone call off Steve Clark." And I was like, i literally not heard anything about it before. Um, and he he rang me, and he, that was basically it. He just asked me if I wanted to be in the squad and, and things like that, and said he wanted to call me up. So it was literally all all happened so quick.
2: Um. So how did it feel when, when of course, a, a few weeks later you got to make your debut for Scotland?
0: Yeah, it, it was unreal. Um, I think obviously, like I said, because it happened so quick, it. it it was all just an an unreal experience and even now like it still hasn't really sunk in that i've i've played international football and actually like made my debut and stuff um so i think it's just like a a massive achievement for me obviously being a kid is something you always dream of doing is playing like for your country and it's just mad that i've actually been able to experience that Uh,
2: so what what is steve clark like as a manager uh, at international level
0: yeah he's, he's really good um I probably not had like too many one-to-one conversations with him apart from after when I um, made my debut, he he sort of just pulled me to the side and he said, because I think when I only came on for like, I think it was like maybe just under 10 minutes and I was probably trying to do too much. Um, And he said like, we brought you here because obviously like you, you're a good player and, but we brought you to do what you do and me, for example, like, Trying to run past the whole team, which is, I think, what I tried to do when I came on. Um, he said, "That's not what you do. Just stick to doing what you do, and and you'll do well for us." Um, so it's he's filled me with a lot of confidence.
2: Yeah, so I'm presuming that that uh, advice has helped under Steve Clark. Uh, do do you feel that there's a big difference between international football and and domestic football?
0: Um, I, th- I think it's hard to say because I've I've not really played. Um, T- I've not had too much game time. Um, so hopefully it's something I I'll get more in in the future if I if I keep doing well. Um, but it's just like it's just a great experience. Uh,
2: what are the differences between um Steve Clark and and Mark O'Neill then? If if that's a, is is there a comparable difference or are they very similar managers or personalities?
0: Um. I don't think it's obviously hard to compare because every manage- manager has their own playing styles and like for example the formation you're gonna play and things like that. But I think just the um similarities probably both it's clear to them it's clear to you what, what the manager wants and when you go out you know what you what you what your role in the team is and what you need to do for that particular game.
3: And obviously, there's a there's a World Cup coming up. Obviously, there's a couple of qualifiers before that. But do you feel you can make it to the World Cup? Yeah, I think obviously, I, since I've been there, you can see the
0: the quality in the team, and that it's um, it's good to be a part of that. And i hopefully if I if I get called up again for the the upcoming qualifiers, um, we can we can do well. Obviously, the, the, the squad have been on a, a really good run of form, and fingers crossed they can um, we can keep that up in in the next couple of games.
2: Um, so, obviously, if you, if you are to make it to the World Cup with Scotland, um, you'll, of course, travel to Qatar and, and you'll be playing against some of the world's best players. And I'm sure a lot of Stoke fans will testify that you'll be completely fine in doing that and will be at the required level to, to succeed. Um, but, of course, you're going to be playing against potentially two of the best players in the world uh, of this era and Messi and Ronaldo. Uh, quite, I think you know what question I'm about to ask. That's- Dude, which one Dude, a, the goats? Um, I think
0: for me, I would I would say Ronaldo. Um, I think when I was younger, I probably would have said Messi, but now I think for me, just like I I like I just love Ronaldo. Like how his um all the attributes he has, and when I like, I'm going through clips and stuff, I'm probably watch Ronaldo's more than I'd watch Messi's. Um, obviously, <laughs> Messi's like unreal player as well, but I think for me, I'd say Ronaldo. Uh,
2: so is that why you perhaps, um, obviously, quite clearly look after your body? As Ronaldo perhaps had that influence on you to see that a top professional like him is in that kind of shape.
0: Yeah, I think obviously when you like, if you want to get to the top, you have to give yourself the best um, chance of doing so, and I think you having the ability to um, Play on a Saturday and a Tuesday is one is obviously the main thing because if you're not playing, you can't um, show the ability that you have. And looking after your body is the the number one way to do that. Um, so I think I probably wouldn't say it's like Ronaldo's been the influence on that. I just think it's it's important to look after your body to um, so you can go you can go and go again every week.
2: So obviously there's there's a lot of talk about fitness now in football, and like like I say, players uh, like Ronaldo and yourself. You know, keep mega fit. Um, in terms of both club level and internationally, who are the fittest players you've played with? Which players have, have physically impressed you in terms of the sorts of you know their their physical and prowess? Um,
0: I think the one that stands out for me is probably uh, Josh Tyman. Um, like obviously, you can see how many he's. I think he's played pretty much every game this season, apart from I think maybe if he had COVID early in the season. Um, but just to to play week in week out and obviously play at the level he does, and it's not just he's not just playing like he's putting in a lot of um, high physical output every every game. Just shows that he's obviously a very fit and athletic player. So I'd probably say time. Yeah.
2: And then at uh, international level,
0: um, probably. Well, I'd obviously I'd say Andy Robertson, not through. Well, obviously, I've not played with him really. I've I've not played that much, but obviously, when you watch Liverpool play, you see how high intensity they are playing. Um, he's obviously a big part of that.
2: Uh, and what is it like to play with a player like him, who's, who's of course you know won Champions Leagues and Premier League titles? Do you get gain a lot of a lot of knowledge off a player like Andy Robertson, uh, or do you perhaps pick up little things that he does on the pitch that you can add to your own game?
0: Yeah, I think um, obviously just I think it's just the standards. Like um, obviously with him being the captain as well, like he just you can see that it demands high standards, and that's obviously what the whole of um, the Liverpool, like all the players will do there as well. Um, so I think it's just when you go and train and play with players like that, it just gives you that bit of motivation to to sort of say like you obviously need to keep working it every um, part of your game to to get to that level, and that's what i'm I'm hoping to do.
2: Um so obviously, you know you've you've sort of developed your club career now and you you know you're sort of doing very well with that side of it. You're starting to get into the international side of the game. Um, and sort of you know do do you feel that that this that these levels of football that you're playing in both championship, which of course the level of it is improving all the time? and international, which is, of course, the, the peak of, of the football. Do you feel that that has also helped you improve as a footballer?
0: Yeah, 100%. I think, um, like, if I look back over my, obviously, short career, but looking back maybe three or four years ago, I'd like to say, like, confidently that I've improved massively as a player. And I think, obviously, the higher level that you, you'd get to play at, you um, you, you seem to just get you like have to rise to that level um and so obviously going away international as well is just making me need to like up my game that like even a bit more and you're just learning like every day and trying to improve as much as you can every day and
3: obviously you've name dropped um, a couple of players that, that have impressed you if michael o'neill pulled you into the office during the transfer window and said jacob you can sign anyone you want in the world who would it be and why
0: um <laughs>
3: I would probably say...
2: Oh, that's a tough question, actually. Um, let me have a think about this. I'm gonna say... Kevin De Bruyne.
0: Um, just for me, I, the way um, like he's crossing and technical ability like why would you not want him in your team <laughs> so I'm gonna say Kevin De Bruyne yeah obviously there's many players out there but I'll go for him
2: I'm presuming he'd be bought in as backup to Nick Powell then
0: yeah yeah it'd have to be when <laughs> when Powell is playing it when Powell is fit and playing it, he can play
2: instead um so of course you've been in a lot a lot of dressing rooms now you know you've been in sort of you know, non-league dressing rooms, Barnsley's, you know, sort of youth dressing room, first team, now with Stoke and Scotland. Would you say currently that this this Stoke dressing room that you're in is, is the best you've been in so far in your career?
0: Yeah, um, 100%. I think just like because of what I said earlier about everyone um, being together, like not just like small groups of players, it's just a, it's a great dressing room to be around. Um Obviously, I... I've enjoyed it at all the dressing rooms I've been in, to be fair. I've not really been in the situation where I've not liked it. But um, at Stoke, I'm literally just loving it at the minute. Um, And it's it's just a great um, dressing room to be around.
1: So, you have been basically scored 14 goals this season so far. um, And you've scored some absolutely outstanding goals since you've joined the club. But which goal is your favourite so far?
0: I think probably between the Sheffield United goal and the Huddersfield goal. Sheffield um, United being... Well, basically, my missus um her family are all either Chef Wednesday or Sheffield United fans. Um, and obviously being like released by Sheffield Wednesday as well, it, it just that whole game like, meant a lot more to me. And um, it was just a great feeling to score. And then the Huddersfield game, obviously that, like me being from Halifax, that was a local team as well. And... The way that we like, we we put a lot of pressure on them in the second half, and then to get that to obviously score a, a good goal was um, good as well.
2: Can imagine you weren't popular after that then? <laughs>
0: no, nah, not really. I had a, a few messages off some some old friends, but yeah, it was good. Good to get a goal against Huddersfield.
2: Uh So Jacob, just sort of as a as a last question for you. Um, you've scored, like I say, fourteen goals this season. You've you've scored some fantastic goals. You've scored, you know, goals that have been just brilliant pieces of play from from other players. Um, and the Player of the Season vote's coming up soon for Stoke. So, if you had to pick right now, who would be your Stoke City Player of the Season?
0: My Player of the Season would be Josh Taime. Uh, again, I think just the fact that he's played in pretty much every single game and I don't think he's had one bad game. Like, it just shows how how well he has, has been this season and he's, he's such a good player and I think he's probably not got as many assists as he should have done with the amount of good crosses that he's put in as well. So I think a uh, timer for me.
1: Um. So, yeah, Jacob, that's all the questions we've got time for and obviously I'm pretty sure you've answered Uh, your fair share tonight Uh, we'd just like once again to thank you for coming on and speaking um, with us tonight it's been greatly appreciated and we hope you have a great game on Saturday
0: (laughs) yeah no thanks for having me it's been I've enjoyed it a lot thanks Jacob
2: cheers Jacob
0: thank you see you later guys